All right, so we are today talking about building the tabernacle. And lo and behold, behind me is the tabernacle of the Lord. Yeah, recently excavated from the Holy Land and brought back to be with us today. Well, maybe, maybe not. So in Exodus chapter 40, the reason we're doing this, Exodus 40, the very last chapter of the book of Exodus, setting up the story for what's going to happen next. The God's people have come out of Egypt. They've been rescued by God from Pharaoh, from slavery, brought into the promised land. They've been given the, the Ten Commandments and all the commandments that they need to do to obey, the ways to, pra- to practice their relationship with God. And now they're getting ready to go on the rest of their quest, their journey, to get to the promised land, right? So we're now at that point where they're about to sort of get going on that journey. They've gone into the desert. They've received the law. They're getting ready for the next chapter. And that's a bit like the beginning of a new year for us. God's brought us to this point today. Different journeys we've all had to be here. Different lengths of journeys. Some of our journeys a lot longer, Bill, than other people's here today. Many more years involved for some of us. Some of us little ones here. I don't know who the youngest one is here today. Not quite sure. Danny's the youngest. Okay. Youngest at heart. I wouldn't disagree. But you know, whether you've been here on a long journey or a short journey, the beginning of a year is a good time to think about where is God taking us? Where is God taking me? Where is God taking us? And the Israelites had an opportunity to mark the beginning of the new chapter in their, in their relationship with God by erecting the tabernacle for the first time. And you'll see here in Exodus 40, You'll see here that it says, the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. So they had to set it up at the beginning of their year. So it's not actually the first of January in the Hebrew calendar, but it marks the beginning of their ecclesiastical year, their church year, their religious year. Uh, they, They had a different civil year to religious year, which is a bit... Confusing, but never mind about that. But the point is, the beginning of their spiritual year was marked by putting up the tabernacle. And that's what God is asking them to do. It's the month of Nisan, spelled with one S, not two like the car maker, but just the one S. Nisan is the month. It's the first month of their religious year. It's for us in our calendar year, it would be, uh, it moves a bit as, as it, lunar calendar stuff, but uh, it would be March, April for, for us is the time of year. And it's the time in which the commemoration of the Passover happens. So it's a very special holy time for them, the celebration of the, uh, the Exodus. And they're doing this in Exodus 40, a year after the Exodus. So they've left. And so this is the first, this is the first time they've been asked by the Lord to put up the tabernacle to celebrate that Passover, that rescuing. Uh, and it's nine months after they were at Sinai when they were up the mountain, Moses was up the mountain getting the, the law from, from God. So this is what's happening here. That's uh, verse 17 of the chapter. So what we're going to do is we're going to add some things to this tabernacle to um, sort of symbolize some of the things that they did, they were told to do by Moses. And I'm going to need your help to put all this together. And after we put it all together, I'd like us to reflect on the questions that are on the handout sheet and then we'll have a bit of discussion about what we learn about this for ourselves. So I want to thank Akin and the crew for putting up the tabernacle. Thank you, Akin. 
various other people who, uh, who helped with that. Now, what we need to do is you'll see, okay, what comes next? We're starting down in verse 17. The tabernacle was set up on the first day, right? Moses said that he put the bases in place, the frames, crossbars, posts, tent, covering over the tent, right? So we have that. He took the tablets of the covenant law, placed them in the ark. Okay, so I need somebody, maybe some children could do this, and you might need adult supervision, depending on, I don't know, you're the parents, it's up to you. I need someone to go into the middle room and get some books to sell to, to symbolize the, uh, the, the tablets, all right, that their law is written on. So should we say 10 books for 10 commandments? Shall we? So can someone go, uh, maybe two or three of you can go and get some books with Penny? Yeah, okay, we need 10, 10 books. And if somebody else, please, I would like you to pick up my keyboard case. Well, you, well, that'll be the Ark of the Covenant, all right? The keyboard case is the Ark of the Covenant. And that needs to go at the back of the tabernacle. Would someone like to come up and help us with that? Yeah, Elsie, you might need someone, someone's help. Well, you're strong enough. You look pretty strong. Sophie's going to help. So can that be placed at the back of the tabernacle on the floor? Let's do this. All right, and it also actually put it on uh, its flat, yeah, and twist, turn it around the other way so the zip will open the other way. So, I mean, uh, yes, that's right. Thank you very much. All right. And if you go and do the zips at the front, the, the main compartment, not the top, but the main one, the main compartment there. Okay, thank you. They can go inside the Ark of the Covenant. All right, so the books. Tablets symbolizing the law can go in the ark. Oh, thank you very much. What's next, everybody? What's next on in the in the text there? Can someone tell me? What comes next? Where are we? We don't have any poles. Oh, it needs to go on a table, actually. Okay, so can we get there's a small table in the in the middle room, we get a small table. Okay, Joe, Joe man, he hasn't been putting on the pounds unless they're muscle during during Christmas. Okay, so we'll put it put that on somewhere. Oh, okay, sorry, Sophie, Nancy, could you uh, lift, put the lid back down and zip it up? All right, and then lift it and put it on the table when Joe comes through. Okay, here's the table. It's going to go at the back, right? Okay, so we have an arc. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, next thing. It goes. Actually, no, sorry. It, Table goes at the back. Oh, sorry, I just thought I'll put it in the front. That's it. No, no, it's going to go at the back, and the ark and the tablets are in there. Very good. Okay. And it needs a cover. So, can we can you put that up and sort of balance it on there somewhere? Okay. Yeah. Let me look at that. Okay, that's that's the cover, the atonement cover. What's next apart from that? What's next? Yeah, that's special. Yeah. Oh, no, no, we need a shielding curtain, don't we? Then you brought the shielding curtain. Shielding curtain, okay, that's one of these screens. Okay, so somebody help, and let's put a screen in front because we're not really supposed to look at it. You see, he's there, we know he's there, but you're not actually allowed to look at it unless you're the high priest and go in there once a year, remember? So you pretend you haven't seen it. <laughs> you know it's there. So that, that covers that goes right to the back. That'd be great. Okay, we got we got that shielding the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, very good. All right, what's next? We got that. Oh, we need another table. Yeah. Okay, another table from the middle room, please. Thank you, Joe. 
Okay, another table. That's going to go on the north side. Now, which, who's got a compass? <laughs> which way is north? It's going to be... It's going to be... It's going to be that side, isn't it? Somewhere over there. Yeah, is that north? Okay, so we'll pretend, we'll pretend. It's completely the wrong way. This side. We'll pretend that's north, but it's near enough. All right, this is north. All right, that's... Side the is that the shielding curve? The shielding curve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. On the north side, outside the curtain. Yeah, that's right. And then the bread. Oh, we need bread. So um, we got some bread here, and maybe it can go. Yeah, it's on the table. Okay. So we have some bread. Daddy, you can take it out of the wrapping. And put it on top of the wrapping, if you don't mind. And then we can all gaze at it. If you're hungry, I'm sorry. You can have some later. Can you wait half an hour? You can do it. You can do it, Alice. Half an hour. Also. Okay. Okay, so we got some bread on the north side on the table. And then we need, what's next? Lampstand. Okay, the lampstand is where Desmond is at the back. That, that lampstand in the corner. Can we grab that? That can be our lampstand for now. Can someone bring that down? Okay, that's our lampstand. What what comes after the lampstand? Oh, that's on the south side. Okay, so over there. Okay, lampstand, and we need then what's after that? After the lampstand? Oh, a gold altar. We need another table. Good. Okay, so another another small table. That's on the south side, Desmond. So opposite the the opposite the bread. Excellent. What do you think about our lampstand? Yeah, really, really Isn't it elegant and yeah. Yeah, very it's not plugged in. That's okay. Another table. Okay, where does this table go? South. South? Yeah. Is it? In front of the curtain. Okay, in front of the curtain, yeah. And that's our gold altar. Okay. Gold altar. Okay. And what does it have on it? Okay, we've got a candle. Somebody other than Penny. Penny's doing all the work here. Somebody, you can be, anybody can come up and help out. So, somebody. All right, the candle. And we got, we got a candle, we got a lighter. All right, we got a candle. <laughs> sophisticated candle. Okay. And then we need to put a light or light the candle. Oh, where's the wick? That's the wick. That's the wick. Okay, we're gonna burn some incense. Very good. Alright. What's next? Screen. Another screen. Yeah. Ah, another screen that goes to the Right, so that screen needs to go, another screen needs to go there and cover everything, so you can't see a thing. Put Daddy behind. you in there. Can that go on there? Yeah, that's, that's good. Okay, uh, what else do we need? What's next? And then, uh, you set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance. Oh, another table. <laughs> 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 okay, 
Another table. What goes on that table, everybody? <coughs> Burnt offering. Okay, we got a burnt offering. Okay, a purposefully burnt piece of toast. Penny wouldn't let me do it in a house in case it set the smoke alarms off this morning, so I did it in the garden. I took the toaster out on an extension cable. You see the dedication to stunning and preparation? Wow. It's a burnt offering. That's, that's all it says in the check. Because it says burnt offerings and grain offerings. Ah. Obviously, it takes grain to make. Grain, well, that so. is true. We also yeah. don't have some additional grain, <laughs> some some barley. Just put a bit on, sprinkle some. Yeah, it's not burnt but barley. <laughs> Last week it was glitter. This week it's barley seeds. For someone, a sweet bun. Okay, very good. Uh, where are we now? How are we doing? What else? We're at thirty now. So. What's after the grain offering? Yeah. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar. A basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, mm. would you say? Yeah. So that, oh, we need on the table. No, let's put it on the same table. Okay, we'll put it on the same table. All right, so we have a basin. And, oh yeah, here's our beautiful basin. You got a beautiful, beautiful basin. What do you think about that? Four oh, Wow, and any, okay, and we have a, okay, we have some water. It's gonna go into the basin. All right, excellent. All right, what's next? Okay, well, the courtyard is sort of the, the building here. All right, that'll be the courtyard. Okay, what else? Anointing oil. Oh, anointing oil for breeze. <laughs> <laughs> I could rely on cooking spray oil. Yeah, my idea was cooking spray oil. But Penny didn't think that was a good idea. So she went to the spa and bought some Febreze. Uh, because, of course, the anointing oil would be, would, would be um, I was going to say flavoured. That's not the right word. Um, aromatic. Thank you very much. All right, so this is aromatic. You, you could say, oh, it's not open. Hang on. Which way is open? Don't, don't look at it. Right. No? Uh, okay, I'll give it an expert. Let me give it to the expert. <laughs> right. So we've got some anointing oil. And what else do we need? Mm, sort of the. Yeah. Ah, Aaron and his sons. Okay, so I need an Aaron. That's, an, that's going to be an adult, and I need four sons, who can be sons or daughters for the sake of this, all right? So I need four children, and I need an adult Aaron. <laughs> they don't all have to come from the same family. Can we go one, one child, we got one, two, three, four. Okay, there's four children, and I need an Aaron. Aaron is here, everybody! We are honoured with your presence, by your presence, Aaron and, and the children. So we need we need special robes, which we have for you all. Okay, so um, you need to sort of drape these over your shoulders. All right, so. Okay, we need some draping, please. <coughs> Very nice, look at that. Wow. Ooh, no, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
Special robes. What does it say? Oh, we're supposed to wash you. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're supposed to wash you. So we got some water. And we got it in a washing cloth. So I'll just give you a little wash. All right. Did you have a wash this morning before you came to church? Okay, you're, you're properly washed now. Okay. All right. We have some washing. And then what do we need to do? Anointing. Oh, okay. All right, so um, in the name of Yahweh. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> How does that feel? Refreshing. I feel for breeze, yeah. It feels spiritual. Yeah, I think like Joe very aromatic. Yeah. No, you feel very aromatic. We're supposed to actually uh, do it, I think, for everything in the tabernacle. So I'm just going to spray it. Excuse me a second. Let's spray it. Oh, I just blew the candle out. And, and of course, the congregation need to be uh, anointed. Uh, everybody needs to be anointed. Need a special anointing. Like, very, oh, that's just oh, nice. All right, should we let Aaron and his children sit down? All right, please, please do. Uh, go ahead. Nice. Two people one. Two people one. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aaron, and your children. It says then, once all this was done, in verse 34, that the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. So please take a few moments now and turn to someone next to you. And think about the questions that are on the sheet there, which I don't have in front of me, but you've got them. And just discuss one, one maybe one of the questions for, for now with the time that we have. And let me give us five, what are we doing? Five minutes to discuss at least one of the questions with someone near you. And then let's see what God teaches us from all this. Why do you think God told his people to construct the tabernacle? Kind of what do you think, at least from what you can understand or imagine, why would God want them to do this? Thoughts. What's the purpose, David? Reminded of his presence. Mm-hmm. There was some. So they had a central place. Go to. Had a central place to go to. A focal point for worship. Focal point for worship. Yep. Over there. Sorry, I couldn't see in there. It's alright. So it can be spiritual compass. Spiritual compass. Daily, visible, present. So they don't stray. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Stefan? To illustrate maybe the value of rituals and symbols. 
The value of ritual symbols. Yeah. That's God always wanted to reside with his people, but it was in the Garden of Eden. This was another way of interleaving with his people. Mm. Um, and he was showing through the tabernacle a symbolism of what heaven was like. Symbolism of what heaven is. Yeah. They use one year to build the heaven. They must have given the best thing to God. They gave the best. Yeah. Amen. He's with his people, but he's not. Like, still, still some separation. There's a holiness aspect mm -hmm. still here, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So, sec oh, you guys, do you want to say something? Say that again. Making an offering is it's something they're doing for him. Very good, yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's for people to have access to God, and God has a desire to draw near. He said, draw near to us. Drawing near. Yeah, access, drawing near. Okay, let's move on to the second question. Sorry, but for time. What do we learn about God? What do we learn about God from this? God has order. Precise. It's precise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What else we learn about God? He wants to be with us. Yeah. Well, he didn't have to do this, did he? Right. Um, anything else? I want to say that something that is in our God is willing to take risks. You know, he's done it before, but he's still willing. And he even, you know, knew already or planned that he was going to sacrifice his son. Mm. So he's willing to take risks with us and for us. He's willing to take risks with us, for us, and overlook the sins of the past, you could say, the reasons why that shouldn't be done, but he goes beyond what should. Yeah. He wants us to remember the thing that he's done for us. So he wants us to be grateful. And I think it's human to forget and become ungrateful. And the tabernacle was a way of saying, hey, look, this is what I've done for you. Yeah, it's it's a it's a reminder of God's acts, saving acts, loving acts for uh, for us. Yeah. And um, Elsie said that it's also um, you know shows God's persistence with you know these mm. were the people that He loved, and it didn't matter you know some of the ways that they behaved, or you know that that absolutely that He was going to be persistent with them persistent, in this yeah. journey. You know that yeah. Yeah, it's persistent. I mean. Those of you who know, what's the journey been like so far? Has it been smooth sailing? No. What have the Israelites been like on this journey? Complaining, Complaining moaning, <laughs> wayward children, killing each other. I mean, you know, where is this bread? Where is the water? It's better. We was better back in Egypt. We know who is this Moses guy? Get rid of him. I mean. Right? But still God is persisting with his people. Tells us a lot about his heart. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this one? Um, I believe God has been had this um, for us to pass the generation to generation. Yeah. So for, this is generational. Yeah. Right? He, he wants to not only do something for now, but this indicates his desire to be with his people from generation to generation. Mm, good. Okay. Third question here. Oh, no. Another one? Yep. Because it's a physical 
Checking the steps, yeah. Very good, thank you. Third question then um, is, this is the third question, a connection or a contrast with what's going on here and Jesus or the new covenant. Connections, contrasts, what do you see? Bill? Well, the contrast was in the Old Testament, it was all hidden. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Jesus, it was in the face. Right. He was there. Everything in, in here is behind a curtain. Yeah. Also, actually, two curtains. But with Jesus, it is personal. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Jesus is the one who washes us. And, and anoints us. Washes us and anoints us. So that this washing and anointing for Aaron and his sons was for a temporary purpose and 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 uh, and and limited in its effectiveness. But the washing we receive, the anointing we receive, is much more profound. Good. Okay. Anything else? I mean, Jesus didn't place a great deal of emphasis of any on building physical representations of God. Yeah. You know, temples and spots and stuff. It was all faith inside the body. Okay. Jesus wasn't that interested in the physical. Stuff. I mean, he talked about the temple being destroyed, talking about his body, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. And um, we were saying about the physical presence of the tabernacle and the cloud and being very visual, <coughs> and then um, and the God being, um, you know, among His people. But then with Jesus, we, you know, when you become disciples, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So mm. God is not just among, but in mm. us, mm. you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, not just among or, or to be seen, but to be part of, in a sense, of who we are. Yeah. Mm, a whole other level. Anything else on that one? Or. Um, it's a real contrast. I mean, thank goodness we don't have to start sacrificing bulls, sheep, dogs, <laughs> goats, whatever we have. Yeah. We're all misdemeanors and sins, otherwise there'd be no animals left. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's one which is uh, where. We have that freedom in God. We still are able to, thank we have our sins forgiven. Uh, but this was only a shadow of what we have now. It is. I mean, it's really profound, and that's in the sense that possibly the thing that's the least accurate representation of everything we used in a jokey kind of a way, symbolically here, is the burnt offering of the toast. I mean, this would have been a burnt, it could have been burnt uh, vegetables and other things too, but burnt animals. I mean, this altar, if you like, would have been covered in animal blood dripping everywhere very smelly too in desert heat yeah. right i mean really disgusting it would have stunk like sin it would have stunk <laughs> like sin it would and that's kind of part of the point it should have it should be so abhorrent to us to see that and understand this is our sin it is abhorrent it is disgusting it does stink to high heaven that's what our sin is like so very significant. Anyway, the fourth question. What do we learn about faith? What do you think? What do we learn about faith from all this? About our faith? About what it means to trust in God, to hold on to him? Any thoughts about faith? This is a more profound question, so it's okay if it's, you know, needs some more meditating on, but anybody, any ideas? What do we learn about faith? Joe? Well, they have to wait for the cloud for them. They might have felt ready, okay, guys, we don't know, go now. But they have to stay awake. They have to wait. That's a very good point. The, the, the day might have looked clear. They, they're ready to move. They've had long enough in one place. Whatever. But no, if, if, 
if the cloud didn't move, then they weren't supposed to move. Okay, uh, this way, actually, the presence of the covenant to show that, okay, God is among them. So now we don't see God. We don't even see Jesus, but we believe that there's God and there's Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, so it's an invisible faith. It's faith in the invisible, but in the real. The real. Yeah. Sure. And um, I think I, I quite like the idea that, you know, I suppose your picture as well sort of, you know, is suggestive of it, but the idea that the Israelites were around, you know, camped out around the tabernacle, this very obvious sign of God, and yet they would have been going about their daily lives as well, you know, mm. making bread, looking after the children, doing whatever needs to be done, you know, fixing tents or whatever. Mm. And the idea that, you know, our faith should absolutely be a part of our our ordinary everyday life and, yeah. and it should be as obvious as the tabernacle was yeah. in our everyday life. That's a good point. Well that's right because the tabernacle would have had the cloud hovering over it. Mm. So wherever you were in the camp, and the camp was massive, right? We're talking a million more plus people. So it's massive camp. But anywhere in the camp, you, you just look up and look in the direction. Well you would know where the direction of the tabernacle was because you could see the cloud. It says inside of all the Israelites. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. What do we learn is helpful for us? Okay, so anything that stands out to you, for you, or, or for us as a congregation? Uh, anything stand out, do you think? Yeah, this is helpful for me this morning, thinking about this. Anything that's helpful, Josh? Well, I was just thinking that, you know, the fact that the tabernacle is in the centre, and how, you know, Christ should be at the centre of our lives. Mm. You know, that's helpful. Especially for the, you know, the Israelites and Jews, that it's right in the middle. And this is exactly how we should view Christ. And it should be right at the centre of everything that we're looking at all the time. Mm. Christ at the centre. Worth thinking about how that might manifest itself in the year ahead. Okay, what does that mean? Yeah. I think God is um, never asking us to do anything that's too difficult for us. Okay. He just asks people to be a tabernacle with um, materials they can find in the desert. He didn't ask them to do what they couldn't do. God will not ask you and me to do what we cannot do. Mm. That's worth thinking about. Yeah, Tunde. Aaron, sorry. Yeah, I think God is trying to demonstrate to us that irrespective of what we do every single day, it doesn't really matter. He still wants to do it first. When you think about it, there are millions of people, everybody went about their daily lives. I can imagine people shouting at each other, you know, having disagreements in their day to day lives, and right next to them, you know, the holy of holies is not too far off. And that never, you know, made God to settle and get back into the heaven. God was constantly there, yeah. and, um, and it shows that he's waiting for them, you know, when they are ready to come to the heaven. Really good point, isn't it? Because as you say, imagining all those people in the various tents spread out across the plain, I dare say there was some sin going on in some of those tents or around them. But God didn't remove his presence. 
from his people. He was still there. He would judge at the right time, and he would judge fairly, but he would also offer grace. Mm, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to have you both here. Really is <laughs> Friends from Thames Valley. <laughs> great to have you here. Uh, Lisa, you had your hand up? I just think if, if the Israelites didn't listen to God and follow Him, they would have been lost. And that's the same for us today. Listen and follow. Listen, sort of look, listen and follow, isn't it? Look in the right direction. There's something there for me. What am I? What are my eyes focused on? What am I looking at? You know, where where is where's my attention? Um, yeah. Good. Okay. I think we better wrap up and take communion together. Um, I'm just going to restate a couple of things that have been stated. I think just to wrap up. One of the things about the tabernacle that it reveals is that God has always wanted and continues to want to be present with his people in a way they experience his presence. Not, not just technically wanting to be with his people, but he wants people to experience his presence with them. And we see that in Genesis, as someone <coughs> pointed out. You see it in Genesis, he walks in the garden to talk to Adam and Eve. He wants to be in a relational sense with them. With the Israelites, he wanted them to be assured of his presence. He wants to be with them. And he wants them to experience that in the sense of seeing the cloud, seeing the pillar of fire. And he wants that for us too, which is why Jesus came. And he wants us to experience him, not just to technically trust him or believe the right doctrines. He wants it to be a relationship. And if there's something we might want to reflect on about our hopes for the year ahead. Maybe one of our aspirations for the year it would be good for it to be a desire, a desire to have an ongoing sense of God being present with us, it being real for us, that he walks with us through our day, through the ups and downs of the day, daily, all the time, not just while we're here. And I think the second thing, is, as, as you've all pointed out, that God is willing and wants to, he wants to guide his people on the right path that, so they have the right kind of journey at the right time. And I think Joe was, it made the point about the timing. That God's people might have felt like it was the right time to do a certain thing, but God, if the cloud didn't move, was saying, no, it's not the right time. Might look right, but it is not the right time. And that direction might look like the right direction. That road looks nice and smooth and, and empty. But actually, I'm going to want you to take this road. It might not be as smooth, might not be as empty, but this is the right way to go. And I think there's something about that for us as a congregation, as well as personally, that we must be prayerful people so that we discern God's guidance. Because he's not going to give us a pillar of cloud anymore or a pillar of fire. But he does guide because he gives his spirit to all who, all who trust him. 
So that's something where collectively our prayerfulness is really important. Collectively, we are being a prayerful people, asking God to give us the right timing and the right direction to make the right decisions that will bless this church, but also so that we can be a blessing to many others. Something around that. We'll finish with Hebrews 9. Just in Hebrews 9, before we take bread and wine, symbolizing the body and blood of Christ. Um, Hebrews is a wonderful book to read in conjunction with passages like Exodus 40. And we haven't got time for all the chapter, but Hebrews 9 talks about the tabernacle. And we'll pick it up in verse 24. Chapter 9, verse 24. Christ did not enter a sanctuary, so a holy place in the tabernacle, a sanctuary made with human hands. So this tabernacle was made with human hands. He didn't enter one made with human hands. It was only a copy of the true one. So this is, in a sense, a copy of the heavenlies. He entered heaven itself. <clears throat> now to appear for us, for you, for me, in God's presence. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that but once a year. Jesus goes into the, in the, pres the very presence of God on our behalf, he didn't enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that's not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But, but, very important, he has appeared once for all, appeared before God the Father, once for all, once, at the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. No more burnt offering, no more grain offering. The sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. To take away Malcolm's sins. To take away our sins. That's why. And he will appear a second time. That day is coming. We do not know when. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So we're waiting for him. And we wait, we wait with joyful anticipation of his return. And that's why we take bread and wine. To remind us of this sacrifice he made once for all. For our sins and the sins of many. Let's pray before we take that bread and wine. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for your patience with your people, your patience from, Gen from Genesis, from Eden, all the way through to today. Father, why is it that you would be so patient with a rebellious people? We don't know, but we are grateful, and we are grateful that we're able to sit here today and to think and to listen about who you are and what you've done and what Jesus has done, and in that, to refresh our gratitude as we take bread and wine. Thank you that Jesus died once for all of our sins. Thank you that we have hope in him. And that we know that you are with us through the rest of this life. Whatever the twists and turns of 2024 might be, Father, we know that you will always be present. Always want to be with us. Always want to be close. Always ready to guide. Always ready to show us when to move and when not to and what to do. Father, we pray that right now you'd refresh our faith in you and our trust in you and our gratitude for you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.